This is Marcus Rashford, and you're watching BR Football Manager. Welcome to BR Football Ranks, where we are off to Italy. And I cannot wait for this episode. I'm super excited. My name is Jack Collins, and I'm joined by a friend of mine, Marco Messina from Italian Football TV. Marco, it's good to have you. Oh, man, thank you for having me, man. I'm excited. I'm happy that you guys are in Italy now. So it's my time to give you a little uh, of what's happening in Serie A. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought I'd have to call in the, the experts, you know, my, my Calcio clan in, in many ways and, and see what happens. So, yeah, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast, man. And how you been? How's it going over there? It's going well. Listen, it's, uh, it's been a weird time, I think, for everybody. There's no surprise. But now we're getting Calcio back. So I can't complain. We have something to, to occupy our minds a little bit. And I, I think it's going to make us a little bit happier. So I'm excited. And uh, I'm excited for, for Serie A to return, man. I got to be honest with you. We've had the copper. So we've had the warm up. And now we're into the, the real thing. And I mean, let's start at the top. Let's go straight into this. No messing about. There is a title race and a half going on here. And we had our Premier League episode earlier this week. And actually, we ended up being like, well, there's no title race. So we'll just skip that. But very much a title race in play in Italy. Yeah, I mean, it's been one of the most exciting seasons uh, for Serie A as, as a Serie A fan. I think since in 10 years, you know, nine, 10 years since Milan and Juventus went back and forth where you didn't know who was going to win the title. And of course, every year um, there was there was Sadi's Napoli to give respect to them that came very close and that was an incredible team. But this year it does feel a little bit different and we've got more than just two teams in it. And the three teams that are really three, I mean, you could argue that there's a fourth team in there, um, but the three, four teams that are in this race are all fighting to the death for it. And some of them are out in every other competition. So they're going full force for this. So as a Serie A fan myself, we haven't had, we haven't been this excited in a long time. I mean, one point in it between Lazio and Juventus and this Lazio team, let, let's start with them because they've been absolutely phenomenal pretty much the entire campaign. And I don't think many people were expecting this before the season began. Yeah, absolutely right. And I'm one of them. I'll admit I was not, I did not have Lazio anywhere near my top three. I don't remember exactly where I had them in my prediction video. I would be lucky if I had them in fourth um, because Lazio... And, and going back on it, it kind of makes sense. But it's also easy after you see the result to be like, oh, okay, that's why it worked. But they focused very heavily last June in keeping Simone Inzaghi. Um, you know, he's the coach of, of Lazio. He was wanted by Milan. He was wanted by a lot of clubs over Europe. And he's really the constructor of this team. He's a very passionate man on the sidelines. You might have seen that viral video of him like slipping after celebrating and stuff. And his team really embodies everything about him. They're not the most glamorous of players in certain cases. Like, I think if you, if you picked up Parlazio individually, you'd say, wow, I can't believe how well it all works together. But somehow it does, starting from a solid, solid defense with Acerbi, who's been absolutely incredible. The guy's been cancer, by the way, twice. He's, he's honestly incredible. Probably one of the best defenders in Serie A this season. The midfield, the obvious names, you guys know me, Linkovic, Savic, Leva. Um, and Luis Alberto, who have been stunners. And then when you got a guy like Chido Immobile, who every single thing he touches goes in, it just makes everything flow so much better. 
everything he touches turns to goals to a paraphrase an old saying but i mean also players like luis alberto who you know has been a revelation frankly given the fact that we saw him have that terrible spell at liverpool years ago and obviously his career has improved drastically since then but even his numbers this year you're taking a step back and you're going Wow, I, I wasn't expecting that. It's weird, too, because Luis Alberto specifically, he's kind of one of those guys who even last year, he didn't have an exact position. He's a very talented player. You know, he, he likes that center attacking mid-roll. Um, he, they tried him as a second striker, but now he's in that three-man formation, the three-man midfield, and he is stunning in the midfield. He drops dimes the entire – every match, you just see him. He's got this creativity. And then when you balance that out, I think – and this is, like, an important thing because, you know, there's a lot of players who can go from one environment from doing so bad, and then you switch a couple of things. Like, for example, you give him – you pair him with a guy like Milinkovic Savic who can do a lot of the dirty work, who's physical, who could win the ball back, where Luis Alberto doesn't have to think about doing that defensive job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And guess what? Maybe it frees his mind and it allows him to do what he does best. So that could be the case with him, but he's been probably one of the best center midfielders in Serie A this season. Absolutely. And, and the thing is that Lazio obviously have nothing else to, to concentrate on. And it's funny because the way that they set up in other competitions and the way that it, it didn't really pan out for them massively in the Europa League. You know, I watched Celtic do them twice and, and much as Celtic are a good side and have a lot of talented players, you're looking at a side that are in Scotland as opposed to a side that are challenging the mighty Juventus for the title in Serie A. So it's bizarre the way that that's panned out in two different competitions, right? To, to like, as a fault of our own, as a fault of Italians and, and Serie A, we have unfortunately this mentality where sometimes in certain competitions, they don't take it as seriously. For example, like a Europa League. And, you know, they do have some justifications. They say that we don't have as deep of a bench and they don't have the budget. And it's completely true. I don't want to take anything away from Lazio. Um, what they're doing is incredible, but it is unfortunate sometimes when we see some of these Serie A teams that they just focus on one competition. And I think for Lazio's sake, it does make sense because this really could be a magical year. And one thing, they, re they remind me of Sarri's Napoli from a couple of years ago, who could embody um, this spirit of we can do it. Somehow we can do it. So I do understand them going full in, but it's definitely that. And it, it is unfortunate, but at the same time, you kind of have to weigh the scale and be like, all right, all things considered, they're not a Juventus. They're not even an Inter who has this deep of a bench. So yeah. it's kind of understandable, even though it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, let's move on to Juventus, top of the league still, and, and, and still in the driving seat, you know, aside from the goal difference stakes where Lazio kind of have the edge and probably will continue to have the edge if we're being perfectly honest it still feels like it's in Juventus's hands. And I don't know if, you know, this is a dynasty. We've seen so many league titles in a row for Juventus and no one's going to want to be the team that slips up and gives that away, especially when it's a challenger who they might not have expected at the start of the season. Will they see this out, do you reckon? You know, the, the one thing that's very different and obviously uh, everybody knows, most people know, you know, Juventus had the big switch this summer. It was a huge philosophy change going from Allegri, who was more of a pragmatic type of uh, coach, um, to Sarri, who's a philosopher, who believes in beautiful football, who believes we don't go out there to win the game 1-0. We don't go out there to win. We go out there to have fun and put on a spectacle. It's not in Juventus's DNA, though. Juventus has never been a team that plays this extraordinary football. So they've had a huge, huge learning curve. I mean, they are in first place, which is kind of remarkable for how poor they've played. And 
I think besides a handful of matches, Juventus fans have been very critical of both Sarri in his system, um, specific Juventus players, especially in the midfield, which is subpar, and then a couple of um, you know players here and there who have not been there. But like you said, it's still they still got this winning DNA where somehow they play bad, but they win. We don't know. We don't understand how it is. They could play a match, not make three passes. They put the ball in, and they know how to win. So it's kind of Lazio plays the best football, for sure, the best football, better football than Juventus. But they don't have as many experienced players in winning. So it's kind of coming down to that. And, and as Juve fans, they're mostly disappointing in, in not seeing this beautiful football so far. Yeah, and I mean, something that we've noticed in, in the Copper games is that Ronaldo's playing as a nine, right? Which allows Paolo Dybala to play off the right. We've seen Douglas Costa come back in. And is this something that Juventus fans will, will want? Because, you know, Ronaldo always talks about he prefers to play off the left and, and all this might well be true. But frankly, if it's freeing up all your other best players to, to play off theirs and it's still allowing Ronaldo to you know, score goals to do what he was brought in to do, then maybe this is the change that really does make that tick. So here's the weird thing. Like, we're, we're many months into the season, and at the beginning of the season, even I was saying, I thought Ronaldo had to play as a center forward. I said he's got to play as a striker because with Allegri, he played as the center forward, he didn't have to run as much, and he was more deadly inside of the box. But then we've, we've changed so much. We saw him at the left. We saw Dybala play the false nueve, the false number nine. We've seen Iguain there. But somehow Sadi has still not gotten down who he wants to play where. It seems like, I mean, obviously not every week now, but when we were in this routine, it was like he still didn't know come the weekend. Is Ronaldo going to be the center forward? Is Dybala, is it Iguain? we still don't know who the starting three of Juventus is. And in my opinion, it's a problem. And Ronaldo played the worst game I've ever seen him play in the Coppa Italia uh, semifinal against Milan. And he even said, Sadi said that during the week leading up to it, I asked Ronaldo if he could play striker. So you're absolutely right. He definitely prefers that left side. Yeah, I mean, this is it. And how Saudi gets that to work, or if Saudi gets that to work, is the key, right? If, if that works for the rest of the season and Ronaldo suddenly becomes the best number nine in the league or, or at least, you know, a passable one that leads Juventus to win, you know, what is that? 12 games left. He wins all 12. They win the, they win the league. It's, it's as simple as that. I don't think they'll necessarily need to win all 12. I think 11 wins would probably do it. Maybe even 10, but so much of that now resides on whether this Juventus team can click or not. And if Cristiano can lead them from that role. Yeah. The, the funny thing is like, when you say this and you would think that for most fans, it's like, Oh yeah, we got to win the league. But now Juventus fans are so spoiled in a sense that it's not just about the league. Like, yes, yes it, the league is almost a formality at this point. They're like, yeah, of course we have to win the league. But we're not going to celebrate unless we do well in Champions League or unless we go to the final in Champions League and win a Champions League. So you're kind of in this hard place where, um, you, you know, every competition Juventus is expected to win in. And, of course, Cristiano uh, will not be happy about his performance. But like you said, when it works, we look at, we'll look at Sadi and say, wow, what a genius. When it doesn't work, me and you sit here and say, oh, my God, how could he not realize that he should be playing over there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the third team in this race – and. Look, into 54 points with a game in hand, even with that game in hand won, and you'd imagine they might well win it, they'd be six points off Juventus. Are they too far off, do you think? Yeah, this, is, this has been the debate. So, uh, you know, every fan, one play, you know, if you're a Milan fan, you want to tell Inter fans, oh, you're out of the, the Scudetto race. If you're an Inter fan, you're still believing because 
Conte is obviously has always been a serial winner. He's won um, in the past with teams that were not up to par. Um, and there's, there's always a question mark with them. Now, obviously, they're not in the Coppa Italia anymore. They bailed out in, in very poor fashion um, for them. And Conte is under a lot of criticism. So this is Conte's last gasp to say, listen, we can achieve this. We, if we focus, you know, it's very, let's just assume that it's six points. Six points is very doable. Of course, it becomes difficult when Lazio and Juventus don't slip up very much. But Inter are definitely capable of doing it. So I wouldn't rule them out just because they have players, experienced players. They have an experienced coach. Um, but there's huge question marks around them. Um, so if they can and if they can't, it's going to be up for debate. But one other factor now is the Italian newspapers are already writing, oh, Conte, look, he, he bailed out of uh, Champions League. Look, he bailed out of Coppa Italia. And Conte went in his press conference saying, listen, I need more players. You know, all the rumors, oh, I need more players, I need more players. So there's kind of this debate where I think Conte has a chip on his shoulder where he wants to prove I can get back into this league. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is that Inter still have a Europa League campaign on, on ice at the moment, right? And I know what you said earlier about uh, the Italian mindset about the competitions like these, about the Europa League might not be the same, but it would be a trophy to bring back. And that said, with all of this in, in perspective, it might be quite a crucial one. Yeah, and you know what? It's so funny because right when you said that, I just, I just had a, I was just thinking about a couple of years ago when, when Juventus was, uh, had Conte, right? Conte uh, knocked out of the Champions League. They were in Europa League. The Europa League final was at Juventus Stadium. It was in Torino. And it was one of those things where Juventus fans, you know, for them, they're not going to get excited about Europa League. But then once you don't win it, it's like, what the hell? We didn't win the Europa. We couldn't even at least win the Europa League. So, yes, absolutely. I think that it's almost going to be more fuel to the fire if they don't win it. Um, and then if they win it, I think that they'll be like, listen, we want a trophy. It's still a European trophy. We're in the first phase of our real uh, rebuild with the new ownership with Conte. So I absolutely agree with you that it would, it's very crucial that they win something. If I was going to push you for a title prediction, who would you say right now with all things considered? <laughs> My, um, you know, for the love of just the excitement, I do want to believe that Lazio can go on and do it. But listen, if you're telling me you, you have to make a decision, your life is on the line. It's hard to not, not count Juventus absolutely. as the winners. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but that doesn't mean, you know, we've seen crazier things in football. It's very minimal details. And we'll see Juventus did not come back firing on all cylinders already. So we never know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's a, it's a strange week. And we talked about this in our, in our Bundesliga preview, in our La Liga preview, in our Premier League preview. The first couple of games are a little bit here and there. You, and, and actually, to be fair to Juventus, they, they're actually kind of lucky in that they had two games back to warm things back up again, you know, to get things going. And they will be into game mode, maybe faster than the people around them. And we saw in that first game against Milan, they weren't very good. You know, it didn't click immediately. And, and you know, you can see that happening to anyone else as well. I mean, it naturally kind of flows into the Champions League race. Atalanta, 20, but they've also got a game in hand, 48 points. They win that. They will be six points clear of Roma in fifth, 12 points clear in Napoli in sixth. That feels like a gap that they're not going to throw away. And, and Gasparini's boys have, have been a whole lot of fun still, right? They've, Gasparini and Atalanta stole my heart this year by far. They're, they're just a team that if you ever, I mean, at least me, everybody loves an underdog story. How you cannot root for a team that, and I'm pretty sure um, they have the same budget as mid-table second division English clubs the same wage bill as them. 
you have to love it and you have to believe that that they what they're doing is incredible and those are players that embody uh like kind of like what i was saying about lacho very underrated their squad is so underrated and if you pick them apart i don't think that they would work but together with gasparini being you know the the orchestrator of the team it works and the only reason i said before about um you know a possible four scudetto race is because there is something in Italy right now at the moment where if one player in uh, Serie A tests positive for COVID-19, they are actually going to stop uh, the team from playing. They have to go into a two-week quarantine. And if the league doesn't finish by a certain day, they will go to a playoff, So which Atalanta will likely be part of. Again, there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts, but at the moment, that's the situation. So they still will believe but anything that Atalanta does is overachieving for what they've, what they've done so far. Absolutely. And, and also the thing with Gasparini and those, those, te- those players in that team are so many of them haven't worked elsewhere. You know, you've seen players, odds and ends, this kind of ragtag bunch of misfits in, in, in many ways coming together and, and putting to becoming so much more than the sum of their parts. And I mean, the other thing I suppose is Atalanta are, are very comfortably in, in the Champions League and, and they're going to have, you know, tough draws ahead. But if you're Atalanta and you're looking at this Champions League season, you're going, there's no crowds. It's all a bit mad. Why not? True. Listen, when you just said that, you kind of sold me on. I was like, wow, there are no crowds. That's funny. Um, and, and the thing is, like, I have, I have a friend who doesn't watch Serie A and he was asking me, he's like, listen, you know, this, this year's pretty exciting. I want to get a team. He said, what team should I follow? And I told him Atalanta. Because if you like attacking football, this is the embodiment of a team that wants to play pure. They will not – Atalanta, uh, Gasperini said, no matter what happens, you know, we have to keep scoring. The guy would rather win the game – you know, most coaches – I would say 95% of coaches in Italy would rather win a game 1-0 than win a game 5-4. Gasperini wants to win 5-4 every day. I mean, he'll want to win 5-0, but he will keep attacking. Yeah. So if you like that, you have to go for it. And that goes to say, back to your point – they are going to fight. They're not just going to roll over and be like, all right, we got this far. All right, we got paired with whatever team. Let's, let's just not play our game. They are going to play their game no matter what team they get paired up with. So like you said, you never know. Absolutely. And, and the thing is with, you know, you take that, and I think Atlanta are probably good value for that fourth spot. I'm, I mean, Roma will, will have something to say about it, I'm sure. And when we spoke to Justin Cliver, and that interview is coming up a little bit later in this episode, but he said they're still very much focused on that fourth spot and, and looking to push onto it. But I think that the kind of camaraderie in, in that Atlanta camp is going to be enough to see them over the line. I think Roma are quite comfortable in their Europa League spot. But what is interesting is that from 6th down to 13th. I and mean, look, I was going to say this, and sitting here in a Fiorentina shirt, you kind of look at it and you go, could get your for league. And then you look down and you're like, could get relegated. And, then, <laughs> <laughs> and one, that's a worry. But two, on top of this, it's like, there's so much going on in this rest of this table. From 6th down to 13th, there's six, points, there's six points in it. And that means that this Europa League, that final Europa League spot, is, you know, really very much open, isn't it? Yeah, um, and that's, it's kind of like, you know, when the season starts to come to an end, at least, I guess, actually, I've been conditioned to this because Juventus have, have always been winning these past years. It wasn't even the excitement of that anymore. You know, when, when you get down to these scrappy teams, it was, you know, we've had multiple times on the last match day of Serie A fighting for Champions League, fighting for Europa League, fighting for relegation. And sometimes those are the most exciting matches because 
Those teams are dying. They played an entire nine months for this one opportunity, this one little sliver of a door that's open, like we can get there. And you're right, it's mad. It's absolutely crazy. And the crazier thing is I wouldn't know how to predict it at this point. Right, we're going to take a little break and then I'm going to roll into two interviews. Firstly, Sam and I spoke to Roma's winger, Justin Cliver, about everything from what meal he'd cook for Francesco Totti uh, to how many music, how, what music station he plays before games. And then there's a very quick interview with Mary Demeral. Uh, who is one of your favorite players, I know, Marco, but also one of ours in terms of the way he's coming up. And we think he's a, a, a pretty much a lock to be one of the best defenders in the world someday. And then Marco and I will be back to talk about the relegation scrap in just a minute. Well, here on BR Football Ranks, we're absolutely delighted to welcome one of the most promising young footballers in the game, Mr. Justin Cliver from Roma. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. No problem, no problem. Justin, two years in Rome, more or less now. Uh, how's it been? Sum it up for us. Two years in Rome, it was for sure um, uh, challenging at the beginning because everything changed. As you know, I was a young kid. I was living in Holland with my mother, with my brothers. And now I came here, I just lived on my own. So I would say the first year I developed a lot. I learned a lot. And then the, this year I just uh, got better. And I feel that also in um, in the pitch, but also out the pitch. Um, and I'm yeah looking forward to the future. In terms of pressure, like obviously you've moved from Ajax, which is a massive club in your homeland, but also to, to one of the, the biggest leagues in the world, to one of the biggest sides in the biggest leagues in the world. What's the pressure been like? How has it been different? And, and how have you kind of coped with it? Um... It has been different in a lot of a lot of ways because, like what I said at Ajax, um, I came from the youth. Everybody loves you, of course, and if you come here, you have to show yourself, like uh, who who is Justin, uh, and that. Um, but that gets the best out of your, yourself, you know, hundred um, percent every game, every training. So uh, that made me just a better player um, than that I was at Ajax for sure. And uh, I've learned a lot, a lot, a lot, and yeah, it just burned me every every time to to give 100% and uh, be better every training and every game again. What's it like with those fans? Like the, the Roma fans are so passionate and so vocal, like interacting yeah. with them, all, like in the stands, but also in the streets. What's that like? It's, it's crazy. Every time that I go to the city or some other place, um, you know, they want to take pictures and everything. And it's, it's great. It's great. You know, it's they love it so much here. In Holland, there's a lot like um, if they want to make a picture or something, they just leave you alone. That's also nice. But here they just go at you if they they can get the chance to get a picture with you. And uh, that is something nice. Also, Rome is a club, I think, that kind of spans the whole nation. I think in Italy, I, I was in Bologna earlier this year and Roma came to town and I was at the game in the Bologna end and Kolarov scored a free kick. And the whole end around me in the Bologna end just immediately jumped up. And I was like, hang on, <laughs> I'm supposed <laughs> to be in the home end. And yeah. everyone, you know, the, the, there was the area for the Roma fans. And on top of that, everyone around, it was sort of, you know, mad. And then I was in this on the way out and there was a march back through town. And suddenly I was like, where have all these people come from? But Roma is such a massive club throughout the, the whole nation. Does that yeah. kind of show when you go to away games even? Yeah, of course. Um, uh, not everywhere, of course, but uh, a lot of games also, they, they would like to have a picture with some of our players um, from the different club, you know, and it's not like there is rivalry, how do you say that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, they have, they have if, if somebody's a like, good player and they like them, they would um, not be scared to ask, ask a picture or, you know, there's not so crazy like, like in England, but in England is crazy. And, but that's nice also. 
but here uh yeah it's, it's a bit more relaxed but the fans are, are great are great yeah for sure Justin, yeah, almost, when you went to Roma, you took shirt number thirty-four, right? Uh, and and I know the reason. It's a tribute to your to your friend Api Nuri. Um, yeah. Have you been able to speak to the family at all since he came out of the coma? Oh, I've I've talked with his brother often. Um, uh, I haven't visited there uh, because for me also it's difficult. You know, it's difficult to go there. What I've been through with him also, it's um, it's difficult, but. With his brother, I keep in contact, and um, whenever um, I'm ready for it, I can go there and uh, I see him again, yeah, for sure. So you took 34 for one season, you changed to 99 for this yeah. season. Is that because you were born in 1999? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people ask why or why. And I was told um, I played with number 34 for my friend, um, and that was my idea, one year for, for him. Um, and uh, yeah. The year after, I actually wanted number eleven, but that one uh, Kolarov still has. I, every time <laughs> I don't I think you get that one anytime soon. You have to give me that number. Uh, <laughs> but then I chose like, okay, what 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 number I can choose? Then I thought I was born in '99, uh, so I'm gonna choose '99. Then yeah, a bit different, I out mean, the box. Like, does it annoy you that a left back has number eleven? Yeah, no, no, no. He's like he's a great player, you know. He's he's made a name for himself uh, in his career, and I have respect for him, you know. I asked him a lot of times, but uh, if he says um, I want to keep it, it's no problem. I just wait till it's open and uh, I'll grab it. So the next number is eleven, and you're going to wait for Kolarov to to leave to get that, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he has to leave, but he, he, he whenever he thinks that uh, that I deserve it, he would he would give it for sure. He will pass it on. Uh, you made your debut for Ajax under Petr Bosch. He, he's a play, someone we love on this podcast yeah. because of the way he plays, the way he coaches. You know, the football's so exciting. It's kind of a bit mad, a bit reckless. What's it like playing for him and, and in that style? Uh, it's great. It's great. I, it's one of the best trainers for sure um, that have coached me. Uh, and he has brought me up also as a young player. I was like uh, just 17 years old. Uh, and he just that's also what I like about him he doesn't care how old you are he just thinks you have qualities and you do it you give 100% you will get the chance and I got the chance and uh, I think I took it and I appreciate that very much and I, I love playing under him for sure he's a, he's a great trainer yeah he do, he's not scared for nothing he just goes, goes for it he does yeah what's he like as a person as well to be around uh, very calm very calm he's like um, a calm aura around him or something you know he's very calm he knows what he's doing and that's that gives other players i think the whole team also confident and uh yeah that's good and your current manager paulo fonseca he looks like quite a fun manager to play to play under as well you know the the, the possession football the attacking football yeah you've, got, you've gone from one to another yeah yeah of course uh i love it very much uh i also play a little bit different than at ajax at ajax i was more like a real winger uh, a lot of uh, one against one uh, those type of stuff and now I'm playing more to the inside but for me that's only good if I develop this um, this position also uh, for my future is better I can play on the outside and the inside and that's for me is the best you know that I um, have both in my uh, in my in my backpack I would say so I can <laughs> take the both out when I need. <laughs> yeah yeah we uh... in my locker yeah, exactly. I mean, who are your heroes growing up? Or, and and this, is, this podcast is called Be Our Football Ranks. So what we do is we basically rank things. So what I'm going to ask you to do in this one is just, you know, three, two, one, your heroes growing up and, and the players you kind of look to and, and aspire to. 
Okay, so I have to name three. You want to hear three? Yeah. I want to hear three. Uh, of course, number one is my dad. That's obviously, I think. <laughs> I think uh, we'll give that's you somebody that. <laughs> I look up to, you know, as a young kid already. Um, yeah, that's my dad. He played football. Oh, I want to be a football player uh, also. That's the first thing that comes in mind, of course. Uh, because you look up to him. And of course, yeah, you have Messi, Ronaldo uh, that I look up to. And the reason why is they have been on such a high level for so, so long time. And uh, yeah, that's that's something that's that has done no, nobody, only that, them two. And uh, yeah, you can learn a lot from them. Man. The best players that ever played on a pitch, I think, for sure. Is there anybody in particular that you try to model your game on or to copy or to take things from? Because, you're, you know, uh, I mean, you know, you, you mentioned your dad there and it's, it's worth bringing up. You know, he was a phenomenal footballer in his own right. Absolutely. A different, a different, a different you're a different very player. different footballer. Who I look up to, like, um, uh, I would say also, uh, like the players like Hazard or, um, or um, Son. I think that's the type of player I, uh, I look up to, like, to be. Also like Ronaldo, of course. Uh, but like Son and Hazard. Uh, the type of players they are, I think um, that is my my genre. I don't know how you say that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, like Hazard, the control over the ball when he's running on speed is phenomenal. And Son, his speed also, how he uses his actions. And it's not like a lot of actions like uh, what Neymar does a lot of times, but it's like one quick action and then he's gone. And then he just finished the ball with left and right. That is something that I look up to and I, I want to develop more so I can do that one day. Yeah, it struck me actually, even when you were 17 and you made your, your breakthrough in your debut, that you were quite happy to use both left and right, you, you know, both feet. And Son is one of the ultimate two-footed players, right? For sure, for sure, for sure. That's why I also look up to him, of course, how he plays. And no, I, I've learned, I know when I was younger, like 13, 14 years old, I always saw players that were both-footed and I was only right. Uh, and I was training on that on my left foot. And um, yeah, at the beginning, I thought like, how is it possible to be like both footed or how can you shoot it left? But now that I've learned, learned it, um, I have developed it and uh, I will only develop it more. So one day you will not know which leg I am. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. That's the key when you kick on someone's thing and it doesn't have left or right foot. That is the like, key. No. If you're if you like... If you're an attackive player, then if you go to the left and you shoot, it's a goal. If you go to the right, it's a goal. It's they cannot defend you. In my, if I know, you know, if they cannot defend you if you're both footed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the key. Uh, Justin, we want to know a bit about you as well. Word on the street is that you're quite the cook. Where did this come from? I will tell you. I was uh, at school. I did a school, and that was also with um, cooking four hours, um, two two times a week, four hours cooking lessons. So. Like the basics, I know I can make. Actually, I can make everything. Not like top chef level, but I can make everything for sure. <laughs> so I think at school I learned it, and my dad is a great cook. My grandmother is a great cook. My mother, so I would say it's a bit also in the family, maybe. Runs in the blood. I'm yeah. I'm glad you said that you can make everything because um, the next thing I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to say imagine that Francesco Totti, Roma legend, is coming to your house for a three course meal. You've got to make him a three-course meal. What are you going to make him? Starter, main, and dessert. Ah, let me think. <laughs> Maybe I would start because he's Italian, of course. I would start with uh, bruschetta. Mm -hmm. It's like a toast. And yep. then with some mozzarella and tomato on it. Just a little starter. And then um, as main course, I will maybe put on the grill. I will put some nice meat on it and uh, serve him some nice meat. <laughs> and um, With what? With, uh, with rice? With pasta? 
no only meat and vegetables that's something i like i like i have here a barbecue yesterday i did it also i love um i love meat chicken meat everything so i would make that for him i think and as as as, as a dessert yeah a dessert i will make him a tiramisu i cannot make it but with YouTube, you can make everything these days, so there won't be no problem. <laughs> I'm here for it. That's that's yeah. great confidence. Just try. Also in in the pitch, just try it. If it if it doesn't succeed, no problem. Enough <laughs> game to to try it again. Also in the kitchen. You get the impression from from your YouTube channel that you're a bit of a, a Netflix boy. You know, you you love a series, love a film. What are the best series? Best three. Number one is for sure Game of Thrones. That is like the best I ever saw. That is unbelievable. I, I can watch it again. Maybe I will. <laughs> um, do, do, wait, second, did you like the finale, Justin? Because you know that lots of people were not very happy about how that yeah, ended. Yeah. I, look, if you ask me, they could make a whole other another season about it. But um, no, I loved it for sure. You know, Arya was like, I already thought Arya was the best. So uh, and she yeah, she killed him. So I was I was I was uh, happy. <laughs> no, but they could have made it longer. But I was I was satisfied. Yeah was a good one um what would be the second one maybe prison break yeah prison break is nice nice long story oh, uh, that is that one is very nice prison break uh, was awesome man i love that two show seasons, the first two seasons of prison break were great and then it started to get a little bit repetitive that's like, true how that's are they, true. How are they back while, inside again <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's true after a while it, it just with the silla and everything it was a bit too long but um, but the first two series were unbelievable. Unbelievable. Is, I like. I liked the Panama, the Panama prison in season three. I know it was they've just gone back to prison. It's the same thing, but it was so dangerous in there, man. Like yeah, it, was, yeah. it was good. It was good. Yeah, I liked it also for sure. And uh, yeah, number three, I would say Sons of Anarchy. I watched that one. Um, and it's like for a biker, biker gang, everything. Mm. Uh, it's very nice, very nice series. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. Sons oh. of Anarchy. I also saw on uh, on YouTube you mentioned Peaky Blinders. Oh, I forgot that one. Can I can I name four? Yeah, <laughs> Peaky Blinders is I think number two. Then number two after Game of Thrones. I uh, I want to learn that language also. You know that special English. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just say it's just English. <laughs> uh, I'm no, it's, coming on to a couple of other bits. Your best friend in the squad is Chengizunda. Yeah. Him. What's he course. like, and and what do you two get up to? What is he like? He's like, um, I would say, I would say two things. Like as player and as person. I think as player, I like him also because um, I can see myself also a little bit in him. Like uh, his actions, um, his speed is there. He has a great, great shot also, and um, yeah, the will that he has every time is, is unbelievable. And he has a great left foot. It's unbelievable. Uh, I've seen a lot of players, but I really like the style, how he plays, for sure. Uh, and as a person, yeah, he's so calm, he's so so relaxing. And uh, yeah, he's my bro, he's my, my Turkish brother. <laughs> Turkish what half do, brother, for sure. What do, you, uh, what do you two get up to then? Like, like what do you do? Um, what we do, like, on the, every time, if I talk, like, on the club, we are uh, in the training, we are together, in the warming up, we are together. Uh, outside, we have, like, our own rooms. We sometimes chill together, you know. It's it's very it's very relaxing also. And how we communicate is a bit bit funny, of course, because he doesn't talk very good English, but um, also not very good Italian. But I have the same. I can speak English, but Italian is also a little bit. So we talk like Italian English with each other, but that's so much fun always. And uh, yeah, he's just he's just a good guy, just good guy. 
I have to pull you up on something that again was on YouTube. You said that Costas Manolas told you to stop cutting your nails before a game because it was bad luck and you drew yeah. it, right? So have you done it since? <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, I haven't. It was so funny before the game we were in the locker room and then we were sitting and then my nose were a little bit long. So I thought, you know, I will cut it a little bit so I'll be ready for the game. And then he was like, uh, he just came walking to me, said, no, 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 don't do that. That is bad luck. And he said, you will see. And that game we like, I think, played 1-1. And then after the game, I came to him. I said, bro, you're right. Sorry. And then <laughs> I, I, I haven't done it since. So now because of him, I believe in that also. So I don't do that anymore. Wow. So you didn't have any superstitions before, but now you have one. Yeah, yeah. And music, listening music is for me important. Depends how I feel. Sometimes before a match, I listen like really relaxed music. Sometimes I have the feeling I have to listen crazy music to get hyped. When you joined Roma, you put together a Spotify playlist. Yeah, but that's so an that... old playlist. If they let me make a new one, that would be great. <laughs> the old one's great. Yeah, you like it? Okay, yeah, it's great. Good. It's like it's yes. Drake, Migos, Post Malone, yeah. Miguel, yeah, all sorts. Everything. Thirty-six songs on Spotify. You put Justin Cliver into Spotify, and you will find it. And I want to challenge you to create a second one if you say that's old. Let's let's challenge me. I will make another one for sure, with another with a lot of new music that I found out. Final question on music. Say it's you know cup final. You're sitting in the locker yes. room, and you're given the cable you're given the power to choose the tunes you've got three yeah. songs to play to get everyone hyped what are you playing oh i would play for sure uh from meek mill dreams and nightmares that one will get you hyped up i only need one if you listen that one it's, it's, it's game <laughs> three one. times game around one. dreams and nightmares <laughs> uh that's a good question they also like a lot of like spanish music i don't know those on my head but I like it also. Who, the team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They like a lot of Spanish, Spanish music. So I have like also an As Roma playlist on my phone with a lot of Spanish music. But what would I play? Yeah, something like, um, I don't know if you guys know him. He's T Grizzly. He's like um, yeah, also know. a rapper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you listen to him, if you listen to him, you get hyped up for sure. Uh, the song, I don't know in my head, but... Um, First Day Out, maybe. Ah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That one, if you listen to that one, you know. <laughs> Then yeah, it's game yeah. on also. Yeah, absolutely. Dreams and Nightmares, then it's, it's for sure somebody gets a red card. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You and everyone up too much. And uh, yeah, Drake for sure. Maybe Headlines. I think it's Headlines. Hmm. That one is also nice. Is, yeah, there a, is there a written agreement among all footballers that anytime anyone is ever asked about music, you have to say Drake? Because I don't think I've ever asked a footballer about what tune they play and not come back with Drake as an answer. No, I think, yeah, the best is Drake. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you cannot say something else. Yeah, yeah. Drake is for sure in the top three, if you ask the top three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fair enough. I'm, I'm still but trying to work out what T Grizzly song you're on about. Mate, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute No pleasure. problem. Stay safe. Ciao, my friends. Ciao. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> So I'm delighted to welcome a new member of the Rank Squad, Juventus and Turkey star, and one of the most exciting defensive prospects in world football right now, Mary Demiral. Mary, thank you so much for joining us. Absolute pleasure to have you. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, also, I am happy to be here. Well, thank you. And, you know, let's get straight into it. It's been a tough season for you with the injury. How have you been doing and how's your recovery going? Yeah, 
this season started with uh, the Rome match for me and uh, everything was great until I got injured and uh, I will never forget that day because I felt happiness and uh, the pain on the same day. I feel very good now and uh, I will join the team very soon. It's good to hear that you're, you're on your way back. I mean, there's a lot of experience in that Juventus dressing room. How have they been in, in helping you stay strong when you've been away from the pitch? Yeah, we have great players like Ronaldo, Cellini and uh, Buffon. So they don't accept losing and uh, their obsessive patient motivates me. Also, our team never accept losing and uh, this gives me like, like more power. You, know. you said that, Ronaldo, you must have spent a lot of time defending against Ronaldo and the likes of Paolo Dybala in, in training. How hard is it to, to defend them and how hard is it to play against those kind of players? I know one, one phrase, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So we are hardworking and uh, talented players. So for me, one thing, it's, uh, it's clear. We like training with game tempo more than normal training. Such a good phrase to live by. And especially when you're coming against, you know, such incredible players on a day-to-day basis. I mean, Cristiano, you say there, he, he came in to try and push the club towards the Champions League title. No. What's his impact been on the whole squad and, and what's he like as a teammate? I think Champions League is the best organization after the World Cup and uh, the best players of the world playing there. Small teams decide uh, who win. And of course, Cristiano Ronaldo won the Cup five times. And also his experience is very important for, for me and for our team also. Stories are you know, that he comes across in training as someone that you know, is always on it. He's a bit of a machine. And have you got any stories about him training that, that you'd like to share? Yeah. Uh, yes, I have one memory. And Ronaldo scored two goals against, uh, I think, Udinese. And he was training after the game. Uh, and when he saw me, he said, come on, Heidi Truco, time for regeneration. And, uh, and he said also, if you want to be a winner, the result is not important, you know, you must continue working hard. So we did regeneration training together. And that day I understood his patient much better, you know, and uh, also his character motivated uh, our team and also me. Someone else who comes across as very passionate as a player is, is Paolo Dybala. And he comes across as a bit of a cheeky chap, but he's also exceptionally talented. Well, what's he like as a teammate? From the first day, Dybala was always a good friend for me. Uh, we get along very well and we always make jokes and uh, I always tell him that he is the best of Argentina <laughs> and uh, when he has the ball, he's, he's great, you know. And uh, also, he motivates me more in the, in the training. You, you mentioned his national team there, but let, let's come on to your national team. And Turkey were one of the first teams to qualify for Euro 2020. How have your experiences been with the national team? Uh, our team, the Turkish national team, is a mix of experience and young players. And uh, also we didn't lose against France. They are last world champion. And France and Iceland game were high quality. So also France games were like 
like final final game you know like a test for the future and uh, hard games for the Euro 2021 but before 2020 so this gave us much experience for the real champions you spoke about Euro 2021 and obviously with your injury are you slightly glad for that delay obviously you can be looking to be in full health and be a key part of that team going forward if there were no corona i i would miss the tournament but i wish i would have missed the championship and uh, that no people died because of oh, the goodness. of the corona and uh, nothing is more important than the health of of humans so yeah i think tournaments and the games come and go you know the the only thing that's very important humans can be happy in peace and and life fairly and uh, my only wish is that the world is normal again and uh, when the tournament starts and i hope i am healthy i will be happy to play for my national team there is an unbelievably talented squad there in the turkish national team we talk about yeah. yourself but also soyuncu emre kalhanoglu chengiz unda how far do you think you can go in this tournament yeah i think our team is running and fighting team and that's why we are successful and uh, the championship will be harder for us that's why we have to look from game to game i don't know how far we will go but just i only know we will never give up well mary thank you so much for joining us today thank you so much for talking about the national team about juventus about your teammates uh, good luck with the rest of the recovery and we're really looking forward to to watching you back in action very soon yeah thank you so much it's my pleasure and uh, see you welcome back to be our football ranks and thank you so much to justin cliver and mary demeral for joining us i am joined once again by marco messina from iftv the calcio experts across the pond marco all good still all's good listen you you got two of uh, some of my favorite players in italy two youngsters that i think in my opinion especially demeral one of the most underrated uh players in italy right now He's so good. He's so good and that injury has been so upsetting. I'm also delighted to say that we're joined by Mr. Dean Jones. Dean, how you holding up? I'm okay, mate. You know, it's relentless, isn't it? All these podcasts we're putting out. I forgot we were even doing this one. <laughs> so this is the thing I have to put up with as a host of this show, Mark. There's too much football, Jack. Oh, there is. And we're focused on Serie A right now and we're going down to the bottom of the table where although there were two teams seemingly cut adrift, There is very much a scrap on for this third relegation place. So just to give you a, a kind of heads up on the table, Brescia at the bottom, 16 points, probably a little bit far off. Spal, 18. Then Lecce in 18th with 25. Genoa in 17th with 25. Sampdoria in 16th with 26. Torino in 15th with 27. Udinese in 14th with 28. And my beloved Fiorentina in 13th with 30 points. That means there are six teams scrapping it out to avoid that one place with five points between them. This is going to be a whole lot of fun in many ways unless you're a fan of those teams, Marco. Yeah, um and you know, in some ways like I was telling you before, sometimes the relegation race is so much more exciting than anything else than even the league at sometimes because like I said, it's not that you're going to win the title. You're going to save your club and some of these teams are so small that if they go down to second division, they're screwed. Players don't have contracts. They can't pay them this and that. So all the pressure's on. And honestly, I get the most excited with watching the relegation battles. Well, let's let's walk through these teams, and and I will start with my Viola because they are five points off, and like we just said in the first half, they're also seven points off Europa spot, and they're kind of in the middle. But this feels like one of those squads that's too good to go down. 
and yet Fiorentina have been woefully inconsistent. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm pretty confident that they won't go down. Um, I mean, obviously this season, uh, they, they went underwent new ownership just a year ago. Uh, Rocco Comiso took over the club, which was well needed. Um, and obviously they've, they've signed players to be able to stay. Last year, they were also fighting for relegation in a, in a worse off zone. You know, it didn't yeah. feel as secure. They, a lot of the fans, I think, believe that they were going to go down last year. So this year was really more of one like, all right, guys, we stayed in Serie A. Let's make sure we consistently stay there. And then over time, we'll be able to add to the team. But like you said, injuries, lack of consistency. And also, you know, they went through a coach, Vincenzo Montella, who's kind of like what we were saying before, a little philosopher who likes to play this beautiful football. Um, and they completely change routes now where it's, listen, we're going in the trenches and we're going to fight this out and, and stay in Serie A. So I feel pretty confident to say that your viola will stay up. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> I don't think the charge is quite on for Europa spot, but um, staying in the division and building, I mean, it'll be remiss not to talk about Fede Chiesa here because He's a player that's attracting interest from across the division. And there's been so much talk about whether he'll stay or go. What's your feeling on it? And then I'm going to throw it to Dean, who does transfers. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Federico Chiesa is an interesting one. Last year, when, when Comiso took over Fiorentino, it was almost certain that he was going to leave. He was begging. He was literally begging to leave Fiorentina to be sold. Um, but obviously, Comiso is a very serious guy. We know him. He's, he's from New York, uh, like, like I am. Um, and he's a serious person that wants to build a project. And he doesn't want, he doesn't need to sell. He's not one of those owners that's like, oh, wow, I got a jewel on my hands. Let me cash out, put the money in my pocket, screw Fiorentina. He really wants to build something. And he understands that we can build it with a young Italian player like Chiesa. Um, and I believe their stance has always been, he's not for us as long as he wants to stay. And, and we can agree he's staying. But like you said, when some of the top teams come calling, it's only normal for, you know, what is he, 21, 22-year-old Italian kid that's like, listen, I want to go play at Inter. I want to go play at Juventus. I want to go play abroad. Um, so will he stay? It's, it's a very tough situation. And one other thing to add on top of it, uh, Inter CEO this week was asked about it. He said, oh, you guys trying to get Chiesa? He said, I don't think we're going to be able to because the price that Fiorentina wants is over 50, 60 million. So once you get in the 70 million euro range, you know, it might not be worth it for some teams. Depends if Lautaro's off, I suppose. Dean, any, any <laughs> thoughts here? Well, I saw he was linked with Man United as well. And, um, you know, one outlet, I can't remember who it was now, suggesting like it might even be getting quite close. But as far as I'm concerned, that that's not something that's on the cards. I think that, um, to be honest, he's probably better off staying where he is right now. I think that that's going to be the case for so many players anyway because of, of the um, impact of, what's happened with, with COVID-19 and the way that the market's going to play out. And I, I don't think that there are going to be that many, I don't call him a gamble because he's not a gamble. He's a, he's a good player, but at that kind of money, I think he'd be kind of a gamble in this market. I just don't see clubs spending that kind of money on him. And I think to be honest, he's going to benefit from having another season where he is and in a year's time, probably going to have just as good a propositions, if not even better ones coming his way. I'm going to ask Marco on the back of this, actually, once we finish the relegation chat, a, a bit more about transfers. So we'll, we'll probably circle back on it. Okay, we'll come back. I was going to talk about Castrovilli, but we'll, um, we'll, we'll come <laughs> back to him. Is there anyone here that you see sort of free falling or is this, is this kind of Lecce's to get out of, if you will? I think that like, if you look at the table, like you just said, Udinese, Torino, Sampdoria, Genoa, they're, they're larger clubs and they're more established clubs in Serie A. And it does make a difference. It does, you know, that kind of history. Well, of course it doesn't. I'm not saying it's the end-all be-all uh, because, of course, teams want to fight. 
but it does make a difference. For a team like Genoa, for a team like Sampdoria, it would be absolutely chaotic if one of those clubs went to second division where I just can't see it happening. If, if you made me bet, like you made me bet on who would go win the, the league, I would say it's saying, I would say it's staying how it is. That's a prediction. And I didn't even have to push you for it this time, yeah. which, uh, which, which is nice. And, and that leads quite nicely on, Dean. So a little bit of transfer talk, which, which I throw to you to lead. Yeah, well, I think that um, Serie A is having one of the most intriguing markets, really, ahead of the next transfer window. I mean, we don't know across Europe exactly what kind of market we're going to get yet. Yeah, everyone hasn't set their deadlines, but there will be one. Um, there's a chance it's going to be quite a short one. But, um, you know, the kind of transfer rumours that we're seeing, obviously, um, Lautaro to Barcelona is is the big one. Uh, but now you're seeing things like Aaron Ramsey um, linked to, to clubs back in the Premier League and, and Juve not just looking to offload Aaron Ramsey, but, but other players as well in that squad just to see... Um, if they can kind of have a mini reset and possibly even get Pogba back into the into the mix, if it becomes possible and they can raise the cash. Um, I think my first, I'm going to just do really quick fires really and, and see what, what Marco thinks on how these situations are going to open up and I'll give my opinion quickly as well. Um, should we start with Lautaro? What do you reckon? Is, it, is this his last season? Um, I think so. I, I would have been a lot more confident without, without the whole situation happening with, uh, with in terms of paying the 111 million release clause. But I think a lot of Inter fans also saw this past week that his head does not look like it was, uh, it's still in Milan. And when you got three months that you're thinking about, you know, without playing two, three months, you're thinking, you're dreaming about Barcelona. You're like, every single day you're thinking about Messi, you're thinking about this. Even Pirlo, if you read Pirlo's book, he said when Madrid were linked to him, he said, I was already in Madrid. He said, my thoughts were in Spanish. So I can only imagine that that's what Lautaro, and if you made me make a prediction, I would say the same thing. I would say that he's going to go to Barcelona. Yeah, I think they're getting more confident as well. And I think that um, eventually they'll, they'll find a way to come to an agreement. If it's a player plus cash, then so be it. If not, I can see them in the end, probably Barca offloading a player that, Ideally, they might want to keep, but if they want Lautaro more than they want some of the players in their current squad, then, then it's going to happen. Um, Dean, if there is a player plus cash deal, who does it look likely that it might be? Honestly, they're, they're, they're putting forward so many people that, it, that it's difficult to <laughs> see now. <laughs> they're just offering the whole squad. To yeah, I think that's one of the difficulties. I think one of the interesting things to think about, though, um, is that one of the options is that players go in swap loans, which we haven't really seen before. So it might be that they, this is just um, what I'm making up off the top of my head, but say they said Ansu Fati can go there for one season because he's going to be overcrowded in the forward positions at Barcelona. Maybe, maybe Inter Milan do consider something like that because it, it's a short-term solution, is a very good player. He would do well. And I think... Fatty would probably benefit from something like that as well because it would mean long-term he gets to stay at Barca, but short-term he, he gets to play very, very good standard of football at a massive club. That's the sort of thing I think we're going to have to look at. The only okay. thing, uh, just to add on top of it, I'm not against the deal at all, but just to say uh, Inter CEO, who's uh, this guy Giuseppe Marotta, he was formerly at Juventus, and he won, um, I think, best award for one of the best directors a couple of years ago, maybe two years ago. Uh, he said, we are not taking anybody in a deal. He said, listen, Barcelona, hey, you want Lautaro? $111 million and no negotiations. Obviously, he's not going to come out and be like, all right, yeah, we'll take 60. Yeah. But – He's also not one to really, in my opinion, to move on it. And Inter, they're not really forced to sell. And I think Conte will look at his club and be like, listen, you, you're pressuring me to win. 
you're saying, oh, look, I went out of Coppa Italia. I went out in Champions League. Oh, and now you want to take Lautaro Martinez for me. So they might be back into the corner where they're like, listen, Barca, we need our player. Give us 111 million or, or that's it. Yeah, it's totally valid. Definitely. Um, you know, in terms of um, Aaron Ramsey, I have to say, like when I first heard the rumours about him returning to England, I didn't take it that seriously. And I've, I've dug into it in the last couple of days. And there is definitely something to this one. Um, his agent is is back in England and, and working on potentially finding him a new club. And, and I think that it's going to be difficult to get into Man United, which would have been the most obvious one on the back of him leaving Arsenal. Um, and Tottenham is is a proposition if they surely can find any way to fund like, his way. Surely not. <laughs> Look, I mean, it depends. As I said, the clubs are going to have to get smart in order to make signings. And, you know, as I said there about uh, swap loans. There'll also be the proposition of paying an X amount of their wages. And if the, if the Juventus are that desperate to get rid of him, then they're going to have to perhaps help other clubs make up the difference in terms of what the ridiculous kind of money that they've agreed to give him in the first place. Um, so there, there are many factors that are going to come into it. I'm not saying it is likely that Aaron Ramsey is going to play at Tottenham yeah. next season. But anything is possible, honestly, because I think that, as I said, the clubs are in positions where they've got to find solutions. And ultimately, Juventus, if they could choose any solution right now, they would want a chance of getting Pogba. Um, and that would open it up for them. So what do you, what do you think, Marco? What do, how do you see it opening up? Yeah. Um, Ramsey's won for me even last year. It never really made sense at Juventus, yeah. in my opinion. I, would, I, was never, I never understood the deal. I understand, you know, free transfers or, or whatever it is they want to deal. But I never saw how he could fit into the team. And that's kind of played out. And nothing to take away from Ramsey. Um, I, he's a serious professional. Honestly, I, love, I really like him. And I, I love what he stands for. You know, he, he took it very seriously to come to Italy. He learned Italian. He was very impressive with all that stuff. But on the field, whether his fault or whether Shadi's fault, I don't know who it is. It hasn't worked out. So I definitely agree with you. I think I definitely can see him leaving this summer. If it's for Pogba, listen, you're speaking uh, every Juventus fan's dreams. That's who they want. Uh, how it could work out, I don't know. But I definitely can see Ramsey leaving Juventus. He doesn't have a solid place at all. Yeah. I mean, talking of midfielders at Juventus and how that's going to play out, there's been a lot of talk about Pjanic leaving. You know, the, there's been talk all season about how Bentancur hasn't necessarily made it work and and there's a lot Bernadeschi as well where it hasn't quite happened right for anybody and it feels like Juventus might be on a really hard reset in the middle yeah you you, you don't want to get me started on uh on <laughs> Bernadeschi I've been very uh we, we could go on for too long about that guy but you're absolutely right Pjanic he seems like he's another one that's gone from Juventus Bentancur Bentancur for sure is going to stay He's actually probably going to take that Pjanic role right in front of the defense. He said this week, listen, I like playing in front of the defense. Hey, Pjanic likes to play right in front of the defense. One of them is going to go, and it's 90% would be Pjanic because Bentancourt really fits Sadi a lot more. Uh, so Pjanic is a big name that's going to leave. And Juventus, Juventus need an overhaul in the midfield. I don't know if you guys – did you see the screenshot of the Coppa Italia when Sadi subbed in three players, subbed in Kedira, Rabiot, and Bernadeschi? Yeah. That gave me, I still have nightmares about those three substitutions. <laughs> Disaster. Juventus's midfield is, is very, 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 very poor. What about Pogba? And, 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 yeah, well, I was going to say, but also, but there's, there's talk of Pogba, but there's also talk of Jorginho, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jorginho. Jorginho, because him and Sadi, I mean, they, they, got, they got a romance that they can never get away from each other, even though they said they haven't talked in a year. <laughs> Pogba, Pogba's the dream. Pogba is obviously the, the dream. 
I've heard from, from journalists that, that I, I really trust that don't write BS. They told me, listen, without Corona, without COVID, this, this was Juventus's thing. They were going all out for him. Now, like Dean said, with the market, maybe they're not going to be able to go. Maybe they're not going to be able to pay that money. So I think it'll have to, it'll be determined on there. And then, like you said, there's some other players. Juventus looking at Tonali, at Castrovilli. So which route Juventus will take, I don't know. But definitely Pogba's at the forefront for, for any, any fan. Mm. This is going to be my next question because Castrovilli and Tonali, these both two young, exceptionally talented Italian midfielders who look like they will be the linchpins of a new generation. And that's no disrespect to the one that's currently there because there's a lot of very, very good footballers who are still 27, 26. You know, this isn't an overhaul happening immediately, but they look like they're going to be the benchmark for what the next generation looks like. And the big question is, are they going to Juventus or are they going to Inter or are they going nowhere? Because it does kind of feel like those are the only two destinations that would make any real sense. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm somebody like, even though I'm Italian and I love Serie A and I love Calcio, I'm probably the most critical person on our own players. And I've made fun of for such a long time, the Juventus, the, the Italy, the, the midfielders and the lack of talent that I've had. As you could tell by my answers towards the Bernadeschi and the Chiesa question. But when you tell me Tonali and Castrovilli, man, a sunshine comes in my body that I finally, I, I, could, I could smile so big because these are the two kids, these are the future of Italy. I've never been more certain these guys are incredibly talented and whoever picks them up is going to get it. And I'd look to Dean to find out. I'm hoping to hear a little something on where it's going to go. In Italy, they're saying Tonali is more Inter. Castrovilli is still a question mark. But that's what they're saying. Yeah, totally. I, th I think that that's it. I mean, Tonali is is, is so um, fondly thought of by so many clubs. It, you know, I'm, obviously, I mainly deal with the Premier League, um, and I've heard from well pe people at Chelsea. I know that he was on their radar. Um, I think at Man United, he's always been a player that they've looked at. And you just wonder what it would take for them to go for a player like that. I mean, I, again, I, I don't see it happening this summer. But it's so exciting when you get a prospect like that. But waiting for their next move is also quite nerve-wracking because it changes so much about the next five years of their career and what it's going to mean overall for them. And to be honest, as much as I'd like to see him in England, I really don't think he should do it. I don't want him to come to England yet. No. Yeah. Well, also, there'll be, a, there'll be money on it, right? Because Brescia are, without an absolute miracle, going to be relegated. And there's, there's one thing keeping your players when you get relegated. And there's another thing hamstringing a prospect who you also want to do well right it's not like they're going to be like no you can't leave because we need you they're going to be like well you kind of have to leave for your career like for the basis of where he is he can't spend a, a year in Serie B like it's just not it's not okay so he is going to be available and yes he will cost but you would imagine that given Brescia's situation they also have to sell and, and that means that the costs might come quite sharply down whereas with Castrovilli and, and as you said with Chiesa earlier Comiso's in no need to sell his kind of gems to sell his jewels and and therefore there's a kind of weird thing with him you know I, I would put pretty much my entire life savings on Tonali moving this summer Oh, less short. No, I don't have any life savings. So that, it's an empty bet, really. Um, but but Castrovilli is the one that's a little bit more not sure he's actually going to go anywhere unless a big offer comes in. And with the situation as it is, how do you know where that money's coming from next? Especially if, as you say, Juventus are looking at, at Pogba, about ten, at Tonali. At, and then, then there's lots of things going on there. 
you kind of wonder where that kind of 70 million that they're probably looking for for Castrovilli is going to come from. Yeah, that's it's that was spot on. It was uh, that's spot on. That's exactly the situation with Tonali. Uh, like I said, all right, me and you will put our life savings together and we'll bet on uh, on Tonali. We're we still not have lose. no money, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, but, but he's worth it. The guy is worth it. I, I could say so confidently. You know what? I'll give you a story. I'll give you a story about Tonali. To, to give perspective on where he was 12 months ago from now, the guy was in Serie B in second division in Italy. It's funny. We were, he actually had D, was DMing us on our, on our page saying, guys, can you help me get more followers? I'll give you a, sh- I'll give you a story, this stuff. So he went from, from a player that nobody knew. I remember when we posted it. Nobody, they're like, oh, this is the Pirlo lookalike. To now, look, Dean is saying Manchester United, Chelsea, all this stuff. That I'm so confident that that he's he looks like he's got a head on his shoulders. He's the right guy. But like you said, Castrovilli is the question mark. Can somebody lure him away from from Comiso? We'll see. This summer. Okie dokie. That is pretty much all we've got time for on our Serie A preview. And just like to say a huge thank you to Marco from Italian Football TV. Marco, it's been an honestly just such a pleasure and so good to see you, my friend. No, the pleasure is all mine. I love, I really love what you guys are doing. Um, I love, I love your love for for Fiorentina especially. And Dean, you gave me a little insight on the transfers. I hopefully afterwards, after we we end, you could tell me where Tonali and Castrovilli are going. <laughs> but we'll put that aside. But no, honestly, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Uh, do you want to just give the uh, Rack Squad the old heads up on where to find you guys? Yeah, we're uh, we're over at Italian Football TV on pretty much everywhere um, on Instagram, Twitter, and then we have a, a Serie A podcast with a lot of crazy. It's it's not as calm, you know. I like this with you guys. It's nice. It's calm. It's relaxing. We all speak. Nobody interrupts. When you put five Italians at a table, I mean, you don't even get a word in because everybody's screaming at each other. I do love your podcast, though. It is the, <laughs> the embodied spirit of Calcio in the States. And uh, it, I do enjoy just that everybody yapping at each other constantly. It makes me very happy. Um, I'm glad somebody enjoys it. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. I know for a fact. Um, well, thank you very much to Dean Jones for joining us as ever. Cheers, lads. Enjoy what I got of it. Uh, and thank you, obviously, to Justin Cliver and Mary Demoral for their time. Um, it was an, inter- an honour to interview both. I've been Jack Collins. This has been your Serie A preview. Make sure you're locked and loaded with ranks every time. Make sure you're subscribed. And we'll see you next week. Take care.